Callie, and I am back with another episode of Honest HR, a podcast from Sherm, where we are continuing to get real with HR professionals. Um, this is a podcast where we have honest conversations, and we talk about things that our listeners are curious about or interested in discussing, and we know that some of our conversations aren't for everyone. So we appreciate you being here. We appreciate you enjoying what we have today on the docket, um, and if you're not enjoying today, make sure you come back for a future episode where we may be talking about something you're interested in. So uh, today we have, uh, and I should say that I am doing this episode on my own today uh, as Deanna Deanna will not be joining. Uh, She is unable to join for our conversation today. So I am here alone with our guest who I'll get to in a second, but I am excited about today's episode. Again, we've heard and we've listened to your feedback and your comments and your uh, conversations on our LinkedIn page, and that's where today's topic came from. Lorena and I will be discussing how YPs can climb the ladder, so to speak, and that ladder may look different for everybody, and the ladder may not be an actual move, right? It may actually just be some development opportunities and things like that. So that's what we'll be discussing today. But first, I want to talk a little bit about Lorena. So Lorena and I actually met in person at SHRM Annual this year. We were introduced by a SHRM YPAC member, Amanda. Um, She was aware of the Honest HR initiative, and she said that Lorena would be a good individual to talk to. And so I tasked Lorena with uh, coming up with the topic, and coincidentally, we had a conversation uh, posted by one of our members on our LinkedIn group that paired with Lorena's suggestion perfectly. So um, I'm going to get into our topic in a moment, but I want to talk again a little bit about Lorena. So Lorena is a SHRM CP. She recently graduated from University of Puerto Rico with a bachelor's degree in business administration with a major in HR and a minor in corporate communication. Uh, She is fluent, I'm assuming, in English and Spanish because her minor in corporate communication was in both languages, which is awesome. Um, She pursued her master's degree in health services administration at Rollins College and is currently working as HR coordinator in a medical facility in the greater Orlando area. Uh, As I mentioned, she became SHRM certified CP in May 2018, so we're really excited for her there. I hope she's working towards her recertification credits. And she's been involved with SHRM since 2011, first as part of her student chapter and now as part of Greater Orlando SHRM. So her passion for professional development and helping people keeps her involved in SHRM and other organizations whose mission is to help people and get back into the workforce. Lorena, tell us a little bit about yourself, add a little bit to your bio, where you came from, what you're excited about, and why you agreed to be on today's episode. Um, yes. Um, so um, I think you said it all with a bio when it comes to, like, my credentials and whatnot. Um, I originally was not aiming to uh, study HR uh, at all. I was actually interested in, like, operations and strategic management. But when I was in my sophomore year of college, I took the basic class for operations management. At the same time, I was taking the HR, like, core class. And I realized that I did not like anything about operations and strategic when it came to uh, workflow and all these processes, but I did like the strategic part when it came to people. So since I was already taking that basic HR class that I took as a, a random elective, I decided to pursue it as my major, 
which got me passionate about the people portion of the business aspect. And even before that, since my parents, my mom's a nutritionist, my dad's a pharmacist, healthcare was always something I always considered. That's how I transitioned, you know, my HR to the healthcare environment and decided to pursue my master's in that. Originally from Puerto Rico, I I was born in the United, you know, in the mainland, mainland in Texas, but I lived most of my life in Puerto Rico. My family's Puerto Rican, so that's why I also wanted to do my minor in like communications in English and Spanish because I know there is a lot of Spanish-speaking professionals um, in the United States, and I wanted to use that as an asset whenever I, you know, transitioned into Florida, which is where I live now. Awesome. And I will say that there are a lot of job postings that I've seen that ask for Spanish-speaking individuals. So that's a really, really great opportunity for you to have as you practice HR and going forward. So I give you props for that. That's that's something that's on my bucket list is learning a second language. Um, And so I, again, give you props and I'm a little bit jealous. So I appreciate (laughs) you sharing um, your path down why you decided to be a dual language individual. So appreciate that. What we're going to do now is actually jump into our topic. And so I mentioned, I sort of teased it a little bit with our listeners already, but today's topic is really about YPs and the presumed climbing of the ladder. We've been having a lot of conversations at a lot of different levels, both, you know, in my current role and in previous roles, about how YPs, the perception is that YPs want to be promoted within six months of being at their organization and that they are always looking for that next best thing, you know, next best role, next best title, that sort of thing. And so what we're going to try and do today is get to the bottom of that because I, straight up, don't necessarily agree with that uh, perception. So the other reason that we came up with this is because there is a LinkedIn chat. Uh, out on our LinkedIn group uh, that sort of alludes to this, and I'll get to that in a little bit when we talk about a future question. So essentially, my first question, and Lorraine, I want you to, to weigh in on this because I feel like the perception really lies in maybe a lack of communication. So although a lot of people assume YPs just want to be promoted and just want that next job title, I think it lies in a lack of communication, right? And so we've talked on previous episodes about the necessity of having a good relationship with your manager. And so my question is, how important is it to have an open and honest communication with your manager or your manager's managers about expectations and job responsibilities? I honestly think that this, I mean, it's the most important part of, you know, of any job is to to have that open communication because we always hear about us being transparent and us telling um, our employers, our bosses, our supervisors, what do we want to do and what we expect from this job. But sometimes we are fed this information from the other side and they might not necessarily agree with what we're saying, but sometimes they hire you out of necessity. They are really desperate. You know, they they think you're a great candidate, but maybe the growth is not going to go as, as quickly or however, or however you want it to be. And I think that communication part is usually the main issue when it comes to growing within your, your position. So, for example, 
I used to work in a place where they had promised me, you know, within six months, you're going to be trained and you'll be able to do more of the employee relations portion. And after that, we want you to work into in our recruitment project. And I was really interested in this position back then because it was going to expose me to all of HR, not necessarily promotions, but I was going to see a little bit of everything. And then it turned out to be a job where I was mostly onboarding for, you know, a great part. And which is the reason why I ended up, you know, changing, you know, my my jobs later on. And it's because sometimes we, we let our our bosses or our potential bosses know what we want and they just want to feed you what you want to hear, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to go along with it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and I've I've run into this issue too where there's a joke out there or a comic out there, right, or a comedian or whatever, uh, a comic out there that says your first day it's it's onboarding day and it looks like heaven and then day 2 you know is depicted looking a lot warmer than heaven right so it's almost like during the interview process and during onboarding of course they're going to tell you what you want to hear but then as soon as you get into the role it's it's your job as the employee to make sure that you are being clear with your manager about the expectations that you had and why you have that, you know, those expectations and what you want out of the role that you agreed to take on. I guess the other thing that I've sort of recognized is that it's really hard for YPs and honestly any employee in general to raise their hand and say, I don't feel comfortable doing this. So it could be too that in these honest conversations that you're having with your manager about your expectations and, and their expectations, it could be that they're painting this beautiful picture, but you aren't comfortable with that picture just yet, right? So during that conversation and during your during the honesty portion of your conversation with your manager, you have to be comfortable as a YP in saying, I don't think I'm ready just yet, but I think I can get there. So I, I just want to make that comment to our listeners to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? You know, you have to be uncomfortable and say, I'm uncomfortable and I don't think that I can deliver what you want me to deliver. And sometimes that means you're not right for the role. And then you can mutually depart and um, hopefully not burn any bridges. But sometimes when you're having these honest conversations and they see you going in one direction, you have to be comfortable in saying, you know, that direction doesn't jive with where I'm at in my career. And frankly, I just don't, I don't see myself going there. So um, I just want to make that comment, too, that the, the honest conversations isn't just for the positive conversations, right? It's also for those sort of negative conversations where you may or may not be the right individual for that role. Yes, I, I totally agree. And sometimes when it comes to, like, having that negative conversation, it doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, sometimes you will part ways and you will end up, you know, realizing this is not the job, you know, this is not the place for you or the company for you. But sometimes having those conversations, you know, your boss or your supervisor might realize, hey, maybe this is not the project you should be in. Maybe you should work with this department. And sometimes that's how people get their jobs. They they're like a, uh, they go into one department because, hey, maybe HR wasn't what I wanted, but I really am really interested in, I don't know, people relations or when I mean people relations, I mean more like the communications, like the customer part of it, or I'm more into marketing because that sometimes happens. You go you go into school or you go into a career thinking, 
this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. You start there day one and you realize this is not what you want to do. And sometimes having those conversations can actually open doors within the same company. Yeah, for sure. That's a great point that I didn't even think of. You know, if you're having that conversation and you say, you know, I'm I'm in an HR generalist role, but I'm really passionate about the benefits and the, the uh, compensation, instead of leaving because you don't think you're the right person for that role, it could open a door over in benefits and compensation and you're able to stay at your current organization. So, yeah, that's a great point. I appreciate you sharing that. The next question that I want to pose to you comes directly out of our LinkedIn conversation. So there was an individual out in the LinkedIn conversation conversation that said that a lot of YPs don't necessarily want promotions, they want learning opportunities or development opportunities. And a lot of times, if YPs don't see a structure around the learning opportunities within an organization, which frankly not a lot of organizations have, although they're working towards it, right? They could leave because they don't see, like I said, that structure around the learning or the development that they're looking for. So what should a YP do if they find themselves in an organization that doesn't have that structured learning opportunities? What, what tips do you have for a YP that finds themselves in a situation like that? For me, uh, I'm currently in a very similar situation. For me, I created the structure myself. I I know I have a job and I am an HR coordinator and I do a lot of HR functions, but I also know that I want to, you know, since I don't have an actual manager who's in HR and it's a one-person HR department, I'm really not seeking for a promotion per se. I just really want to grow within, you know, the position. What I do personally is I create my own structure. And by that, I mean I set the goals I want to meet in this point of my career while I work at this place. And that's not only HR functions, I'm actually learning functions from other departments. With that, I, for example, I am helping the call center manager. I'm helping her manage employees. She usually works Mondays to Thursdays, so on Fridays, there's not an actual supervisor there on duty, making sure that the numbers are being made and when it, when it comes to calling patients and whatnot. And I talked to my boss and I told her, you know what, I, I know I'm not technically a manager, but I want to have management duties in a way because I aspire to be an HR manager in the future. It's not going to be in that company because there's no position for it, but I want to start, you know, managing employees. And that's what I do. I, you know, I told her I want on Friday to be sort of in charge of the call center. So I learned the call center functions. I learned management functions. I'm going into meetings, even meetings that don't directly relate to HR. I sit down in those meetings. So my advice is always to create your goals and make those goals work with the, with the, with the situation you have. And it doesn't even have to be like in a professional job. Sometimes you're stuck in, you know, a store job because you, you can't just find that perfect job for you. And I worked in a retail store for two years before I even started working in the healthcare facility I work at now. And what I did was that I told my boss, hey, I really want, I am going to school for healthcare admin, but I went to school for HR. What can I do that's HR related? And he told me, you know what, I need people to train our new employees. So I got into training. So it's basically within your situation, find out what you can do to grow yourself. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I've, I've done the same thing, right? If you're in an organization, and for me, it was more about being in a small organization, right? Because 
in small organizations, they typically don't have the funding for training, a, a formal training department or a formal training program. So in smaller organizations, it's important to sort of identify the individuals within the company that can invite you into their realm, right? So if you want to know about marketing as it relates to the HR function, you have to make sure that you're raising your hand in appropriate meetings and appropriate times to say, I also like to be in on conversations that involve marketing or whatever your interest level is uh, because development and learning isn't always in a structured situation. It sometimes comes from organic projects that you're put on or conversations that come up about a quick project that came up and you need to work with somebody to get it out quickly, right? So it doesn't necessarily have to be in a small, it doesn't necessarily have to be in a structured situation. It can certainly be in that more organic way of seeking out additional developmental opportunities or learning situations. I really like that. Other question I want to touch on is when employers recognize when employees are getting ready to leave or if they've expressed that they want to attend a specific training symposium and the company doesn't have the funds and they're sensing that the employee is sort of ready to leave, what sort of incentives can employers offer to keep them there? When it comes to sensing if they're going to leave or whatnot, they, employers need to realize what they can and cannot offer. Sometimes they, you know, they'll go with the false false promises again, and they'll um, they'll want to paint you a picture, and they'll say, you know what, within if you stay with us within a year, you're gonna be, we're gonna be at this point, uh, you know, at this point, and you're gonna make this amount of money, and you're gonna have these benefits, and sometimes that's not possible. I think it's to be a little bit more realistic. It's sit down and have that conversation. So. For example, if they can't pay for like a certain benefit you really want, like for example, for me, one big thing and I would really love one day is to have a job that actually pays for me to go to a conference instead of having to do it myself. But I, you know, but I can sit down with my boss, I told her this, and she's like, well, I can't give you that, but I can offer you more PTO. And you know what? It, that has value to me because I'm, I mean, not only do I have the PTO that everyone else has, but now I can use extra days to go to the conference and not worried about not being paid, you know, that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. So I think it's more about sitting down and seeing what they can actually offer. If it's not something that it's money-wise, like maybe they can't pay for extra PTO because they can't do that, what opportunities they can help you with maybe a smaller conference or maybe a specific training for, a, you know, a, a job function you you want to learn to do for the organization, something that adds value to the organization, but also adds value to the employee. Yeah, I completely agree, and I I give you I give you and your boss some credit there for uh, coming to an agreement on some additional PTO. I I don't think I've ever actually sat down and said I'd like to do this, and they said no, but they gave me something else. So your power of uh, negotiation must be must be pretty high, Lorena. So I appreciate you sharing that story. <laughs> Um, last question, and I think this sort of goes back to the comment that you just made, right? When should a YP accept, and, and by YP, honestly, when should a employee, because this can happen at any level, accept that it's time to move on, and what should they look for when they're looking for a new job? So I think that the best moment for an YP to sort of, or, or an employee in general, to sort of realize, hey, this is not for me anymore. It's when 
uh, neither the organization or the employee are gaining anything from each other. And I say the organization too, because sometimes you've been in a job or you've been in an organization for so long doing the same thing that really you're just, you know, going day to day, you know, doing the same thing every single day because these are my responsibilities and there's no longer any passion for this job or I'm bored or I really can't, I've already done everything I can do for you. So I think that they have to, once you realize that you're just, you know, going by and doing things because you have to, not because you want to, that's the first warning of when that you're, you've already done what you could for that organization. Now, when you're looking for a new job, you want to look for a job that makes you passionate. And if you're into going into an organization that has job opportunities, that's what you should be doing. And by job opportunities, I mean it's maybe if you're more into the promotion side of it because some people want to get promoted and we need to accept that that's what they want to do. They want to go, you know, they want to have those promotions and titles are important to them. They need to go maybe to a larger company that has a lot of growth opportunity and look for that. If they're looking for a job, maybe the title's not the most important thing, but they want to keep on learning, they need to go to organizations that can offer them that learning. Now, the employers don't need to see this as something that's necessarily negative. I mean, it is hard sometimes to fill a position, and if you've been doing your job well, it's going to be hard for them to kind of part ways with you. But at the same time, they should see it as, now we can, you know, recruit someone new, and a new person means new ideas. So it goes both ways. Yeah, I think for me, you sort of, so passion, I heard passion quite a bit in your response, and it triggered another word for me, and it's curiosity, right? If you, if you are in a role and you are no longer curious about what you can learn or what you are able to get out of the role or out of the organization that you're at, that's a dead giveaway that it's time for you to part ways. And frankly, if the organization is no longer curious about, you know, where you want to go in your career, uh, it's, you know, the organization is no longer uh, investing in in you as an employee. So I think, you know, passion Curiosity, those are two big things that you should be looking for when you're trying to decide if your current role has sort of run its course. So I completely agree with what you said, and, and I hope that passion is, is still in everybody's role within their company because I can't imagine going to work and not having a passion for what I do. I just feel like that would be the worst day ever. So we like to end all of our episodes with sort of mic drops or ending on a happy note. So for our listeners that sort of sat with us through this episode, Lorena, if, if somebody's in a situation that they want to get out of or if they're in a situation they're really pumped about but want to know how to have that conversation with their manager about getting to that next level, what advice would you give to them? Um, for me, timing is essential. So if, if you know, if you know certain things that your supervisor does that kind of lets you know that they're not in a good mood or they're very stressed out or they're worried about something else, whether it's, uh, you know, personal or part of the organization, don't choose that bad time. I think timing is one thing that's very, very important and it can break, make or break a negotiation. And second, um, don't be afraid to ask. The worst thing they can tell you is, no, we can't do that. And nobody has ever died from that, or I've never heard of a death from a no. So, um, you know, just, uh, and once they tell you, if they do tell you no, what you need to do is, okay, then what can you do for me? What can we, where can we meet? 
And in my case, we met with the extra PTO time, and that worked out great because although it is still expensive for me to go to these conferences, at least I know, hey, I'm getting a paycheck. So this is, you know, paying itself off in a way. And at the same, you know, and that's how we met. And maybe it's not extra PTO. Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe they'll do a per diem thing where they'll pay for meals or to help you pay for part of the conference or part, if it's the conference that you want, maybe it's not that. But using that as an example, maybe they'll pay for part of that or, you know, asking for what you want. Don't ask for less than what you want. Ask for what you want and make sure they understand what you want. And if they can give that to you and it's okay because they don't really have to, try to see if there's a midpoint where you guys can meet. And that way you can both be happy. I liked your last comment about ask for what you want. Um, don't inflate, right, what you're looking for, because if you inflate what you're looking for, the chances of you guys meeting in the middle, you sort of have put them back on their heels, right? So don't don't necessarily shoot for the moon and the sun and all of the other planets in the universe. Just sort of identify what you're looking for and what would benefit you and what you really want out of that negotiation. So I really like that comment. My, my biggest piece of advice for individuals who are early in their career and what we identify as sort of young professionals or emerging professionals in, in HR or really any career is don't second guess your value and your worth. I know that sometimes we feel silly or stupid going and asking questions about a task or a project or something like that, but it's so important for you to recognize the value that you bring to your organization because your organization also recognizes your value. It's just about how you are sort of dictating the value and the organization is dictating your value as well. So if you aren't, if you're not whistling the same tune, it could often be mismatched where you feel like you're adding value somewhere but your organization sees you adding value somewhere else or doesn't see you adding value at all. So for me, it's just remembering that you are adding value and that you do have some sort of weight to carry with you when you do go into these conversations and these negotiations. You're important, you're valued, it's just, it's important that you know that and can actually bring that forward in a conversation about, you know, what you're looking for or what you want. So that's my uh, mic dropper, my comment. Uh, Lorena, before I let you go, where can our listeners reach out and connect with you if they want to continue the conversation? So you can connect with me through LinkedIn. Uh, my name, I hopefully, you know, once the podcast is out, you'll know how to spell my first and last name. Um, and if not, um, then through Twitter, which is L-P-A-B-O-N-H-R. Well, those two, I'm very active in Twitter. I go into LinkedIn almost every day. So, yeah, that's the best way to connect with me. Wonderful. And you can always reach out to me as well on LinkedIn, Callie Zippel, Twitter, Sherm Callie Z. Uh, and make sure that you're following uh, our podcast. Subscribe either on iTunes or Spotify or really anywhere you can find uh, podcasts. But make sure you're also visiting sherm.org slash honesthr. You'll be able to find all of the information about next episodes and upcoming guests and all of that information there. Don't forget that we want to hear from you. So if you have suggestions for topics or suggestions for guests, reach out. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks so much for joining, and we'll see you next time.